This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The NBA is back. Where else can a city this loud be this left on? And 30 feet is still in range. Where else is history? Still in the make. The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Welcome Talking Halos, Derek C. Paul, my co-host, my partner in crime, Brock Davis. Yes, that Brock Davis, he's alive and well, we think. Brock, how you doing, man? I'm doing fantastic, man. I've just been busy with work and school and making making wooden flags. You guys have probably seen on my Twitter. It was a little side gig to help me get through school, so I've been a pretty busy cat, but I'm excited to be here back today and talk to you guys. What do you want to talk about? I mean, wooden flags? No, we're here to talk baseball, Derek. <laughs> All right. Well, we are here to talk baseball. It's a packed, and I mean jam-packed episode. We've been a little slow getting podcasts out the last couple of weeks with me, especially being hardcore busy getting the testing season here in the teaching field. But we have a lot coming in the next two weeks with the rest of our Tour in the League shows coming out. we got two of those today in the show, so it's a big jam-packed episode. Before we do... We want to ask you, head over to Apple Music, leave us that five-star review. We really, really, really need to get that thing taken care of. Let me tell you how close we are. We are so close to reaching that 100 five-star review threshold that, dang. I mean, let me tell you how close we are. It's a little, a little exciting, a little frustrating. We should be almost there now. 85. 85. So 85. we need 15 more. Opening day is on the 26th. That's 18 days away. 18 days away. We want to get this thing mailed out. I'm guessing by, say, the 20th to make sure a person needs it. So 12 days. 12 days to get this taken care of. We're recording on the afternoon of the 8th. Hopefully, this is out by the 9th. The 9th. So, folks, we need 15 more five star reviews. If you have listened to this show, and many of you have, because I have the numbers, there's more than. There's more than 85 people who listen to the show. Trust me on that one. Head over to Apple Music. Leave a five-star review. Make sure it's written. Submit it. Get a screenshot. Send it to TalkingHalos at gmail.com. Or you can send it to us on Facebook at TalkingHalos, our page on there, even our group page. Or on Twitter at TalkingHalos. If you need to send it to me, you can also send it to me at DCApala on Twitter as well. I don't care how you get to me. Just get to me. I'll enter you in, and we'll make it magical. I promise. Like magical, like a contest winner. Quickly. Okay, so 
I'm just saying, yeah, this taken care of. Don't forget, we're available anywhere podcasts can be found, including Spotify, Spreaker, Apple Music, iHeartRadio. I mean, we're pretty much everywhere. So there we go. Okay, so the emphasis today before we get to our tour interviews, Brock, is the pitching. And really, you haven't had anything to say since your famous rant episode. So overall, I guess I want to ask you, what is your, what's your impression of the pitching right now? Well, I'm not going to lie. Bundy Bundy looks really good, and obviously we have to take everything with a grain of salt just because it's spring training, and you know sometimes you look at pitchers pitch in spring training and you go, yeah, that might mean something. And then sometimes you look at pitchers pitch in spring training and you say, oh, well, he's, he's trying something specifically. They sent him out there to say, hey, focus on off-speed. Hey, focus on, on fastballs. Focus on pitching everybody in, et cetera. Uh, but everything that I've seen from from Bundy so far has been been pretty impressive, and Tehran's looked good. You know, he got hit around a little bit yesterday, but for the most part, like his he's he's putting in the pitches. He looks good. Most of our pitching so far that I've just noticed is just I wouldn't say impressed per se is the right word. Maybe with Bundy a little bit, but like I said, I'm gonna take it with a grain of salt and see you know, how his, how his first few starts look, but I, I don't think impressed is the right word, but I, I'm, I'm content as, as is right now. I'm content with, with what we were given the, the deck of cards we were dealt. I'm happy with what, what's happening so far. That's it. Just the only name you mentioned is Dylan Bundy. I mean, is that, is that the only one that matters to you right now? He's kind of like penciling as the ace. <laughs> That's all you I mean, got. He's pitching like the ace right now, but I mean, obviously, we could talk about Canning with the with the injection issue and the elbow issue, whether or not he's going to be getting Tommy John. I hope that's not the case. Um, Heaney just got tabbed as the opening day starter, which is good. I, I I'm, I'm going to like Heaney up there. I've always liked Heaney. I just hope that he has a full healthy year, but we'll see what happens with that. Um, we'll see what happens when Otani comes back. But I mean, realistically, if Otani comes back in say the first couple weeks of May, he's going to be you know, the guy we're looking to come out every six, seven days and, and, and give us a solid six, seven innings of a start, and he's going to be our most dependable pitcher in our rotation. Otani is. Wow, man, and I disagree, dude. I'm so sorry. I disagree. <laughs> who, who's I your, mean, who, if you were to look at one most dependable guy in our rotation, who's that for you? Then? I don't think we know yet. I don't know. Okay. How can we say it's going to be Otani? How well, can we say it's Otani? He hasn't pitched right in a year and a half, Otani. man. I mean, how's it going to be? Well, he hasn't pitched in a game in a year and a half. We have no idea how this is all how his arms respond to any of this. We don't know what pitcher we're getting. Period. I just don't know how I can say that. No, you're right. You're right. I mean, we don't. We really don't know how he's going to come back. But you know, if he does come back similar to how he did before, then you know, even if he did take a step back and had to had to come back and and pitch a little while until he gets back to his full potential again then he's still even taking a step back he's still better than half of our pitchers in our rotation so you know what i mean like it's his his peak is significantly higher than anybody else in our rotation so i'm not saying he's going to come back at that peak i'm just saying that his peak it's himself is significantly higher than anybody else we have in our starting rotation in my opinion all right let's let's back up a little bit here let's let's use Steven Strasburg. Because, I mean, if there's anybody who's had any kind of 
let's just say, excitement behind him for a team that was Strasburg with the Nationals when he first came up. Was that, would that be fair in 2020? Mm-hmm. Sorry, 2010? He was 5-3 yeah. his first year, 12 starts, made one start in 2011, and Tommy John surgery. Okay? Sorry, five starts in, 20, in 2011. 2012 comes, he pitches, and you know what? He does pretty well. 15-6, and 3.16 ERA, starts 28 games, 159 innings pitched, 197 strikeouts. That, that would be a heck of a year in many pitcher standards. Mm-hmm. Okay, he was not the... Knockdown, drag out guy. People thought he would be really until. Geez, let's see here. Stats wise, well, here you go. In 2014, he led the league in starts. So two years later, went 14 11, but 242 strikeouts, four three walks. I think that's probably you know peak performance there. Uh, 2017, 204 strikeouts last year, 251. Low ERAs, low hits. So overall, yeah, pretty pretty sick and good in 2012. He's also more of a power pitcher. That's the only thing, though. Yeah, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm actually that. kind of arguing against my own argument a little bit because he that I think any one of us would take 15 and six with 3.16 ERA. By the way, absolutely, absolutely. You know, but see if you find who's another recent pitcher who had, who had Tommy John. You know, we can think about that was. It's like there's so many that, that get it, but yet you can't think of somebody that does when you're trying to think of who, who's gotten one. Sure. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking more along the lines of real key names, like guys who – I mean, it's Homer Bailey, and Homer Bailey was never, never really the same. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just – I guess it's – I mean, everybody's different, so I guess, you know, we just don't know what Otani we're going to get, and we just have to hope that we're going to get the Otani that we want. Well, hey, here's here we go. Patrick Corbin, that's a fair one. That's a fair one. Patrick Corbin, and I guess what I'm really trying to say is we don't know who we're going to get. When Strasburg came back, he was a pretty sick pitcher, but he wasn't the fireballer that he was when he left. He still took him a couple of years to get 200 strikeouts again. Still very good. Corbin had his in. Let me show you this right. 2014. So he's out. Here's 2015. Ready? 2015 for Arizona, six and five, three six ERA, 16 starts. The next year, five and 13, 5.15 ERA, and 24 starts, 36 games, 155 and two thirds innings, 177 hits. Mm. A little bit, a little bit under two to one. Strikeout to walk ratio. 2017 Arizona, 403 ERA, better. So I'm 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 saying by the looks of it, both Strasburg and Corbin took about two years to get back to where they should be. Mm-hmm. 2018, 11 and 7, 315 ERA, 246 strikeouts last year, first year in Washington, 14 and 7, 238 strikeouts. So he lives up to his contract, by the way, I think. Last year. So last two years, great. Pretty good in 2017, but the first two years back, eh. I, I guess that's what I want to say is we don't know who we're getting back. I don't see him being lights out, but 
if he's got Strasburg's numbers from his year 15 and 6, I'd take it. Be 160 ERA. Yeah, for sure. I mean, talk me back through this here. Talk, give me your thoughts. I mean, because I'm just saying I doubt that he'll be lights out. He'll be that best guy right away. It's definitely not going to be a right away situation, but like like going back to what I said before, it's just one of those things to where if Mike Trout had a significant injury or another high-end player had a significant injury where they're coming back and you don't know what you're going to get, there's two things that I like to look at. There's the peak potential and there's the the best predictor of future behavior is past behavior. So if you saw behavior leaning toward like trout, if you see trout for his say his two his two first years in the big leagues and he's just killing it, crushing the ball, you know, he's fast, da, 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 and he gets a major injury and he's out for almost a full season, right? He has like some gnarly knee injury or something mm-hmm. and he's out for a long time. Everybody, when he's coming back, everybody's going to say, well, yeah, you know, he's coming back from an injury. We don't know specifically what we're going to get, but we know what he's capable of and we know what his peak potential is and we know that he's he's able to do that when healthy. So obviously there's going to be concern that as soon as they come back and for a little while after that, they're probably not going to be at that peak potential. But the, but the good thing is is that if the peak potential – it's kind of hard to do this without the hand motions that I would do to you if I were showing you in person. Mm-hmm. But if somebody's peak potential is, you know, say at we'll, – we'll just use a stupid number, 10,000 feet, right? That's their peak potential. Well, everybody else at their best, like the average MOB is at 6,000 feet of that, of that peak. So if that person even takes two to 3,000 off that peak – then they're going to still be at seven, seven, seven five hundred feet, which is still a thousand to a fifteen hundred feet higher than the average player. Does that make sense? It does. It does. So obviously everybody's going to be concerned that he he might not come back, and it was going to take him a while to get through it and get back to where his full peak potential is, or it could take him two, three games. We just we never know, and everybody's different. Everybody rehabs different. Everybody feels different. The only person, only people really that know how he's going to be right now is himself and the, the coaching staff and, and the people that rehab him and know where he's really at to be able to get back to that full peak. So I, I'm just hopeful that he can reach that sooner than later. I also think Angels fans need to be need to chill on him at first, too. I mean, seriously, if this guy comes in and struggles his first, his first three or four starts, it shouldn't get people upset because he needs time to adjust back to the game. He needs time to adjust back to his arm and feel comfortable with it again. It's not going to be right away where he feels like, hey, I can be a major league pitcher and dominate like I used to dominate. It's going to take time. So folks need to be patient with him on that. A couple of things mm-hmm. here pitching. You mentioned Andrew Heaney is going to be the starter for opening day. Um, how do you feel about that? I like it. I vote, Like I said earlier, I've always really liked – uh, Heaney, I really have, and I think once we get an actual full season out of him, it's it's going to be pretty interesting, and, and I'm excited to see what he's truly capable of in a in a full, healthy peak that peak type season that that we've all been waiting to see from him. And uh, looking here, he's he's pitched in two games so far with a three six in spring training, five innings. Uh, giving up a homer with two earned runs, um, so it's it's right around there. Four walks, or sorry, four strikeouts, zero walks, uh, which is always good. I'm a big fan of pitchers that um, 
throw way more Ks than than walks. I think that's super important. You don't want to give up any any runners that you don't need to do or give up. And uh, so yeah, I mean, I've I've always really liked Heaney. I think he's earned it. I think he's kind of at that part where there's not really anybody at this time to really give him major competition for that spot. But I think he's earned it. I think he he's worked his butt off to try to continue to be healthy and come back. And he's been through a lot of adversity through injury and. I'm, I'm happy to see him on the mound opening day. Last one here for us is, is Griffin Canning. And Griffin Canning getting injections. These have inject, these injections have worked on a major pitcher one time. That's the Yankees' Tanaka. Everybody else that's notable right now who's tried this eventually needed Tommy John surgery. What are your hopes here? My hopes is that he's not going to need <laughs> Tommy John. And... You know, I guess it's looking it's looking decent. I guess there was somebody that reported yesterday that they're leaning more towards that he's not going to need it, but they're going to take it real slow with them and hope that you know that's not going to be the case. And I I really hope it's not because he's he's definitely in my opinion the the youngest starter that we have that has the most promise at this time. And I've I really enjoyed watching him pitch last year. I, I saw a lot of potential in his. And his delivery and his velocity and his his uh, when he was on it, like when he was you know first few innings of a game where you could tell he was on it, his location was was it was fantastic. His velocity was good. His location was great. His pitch his pitches that he would choose to throw at certain times were, were good. And uh, yeah, no, I really like Griffin Canning, and I really hope that that this is going to be uh, a quick thing. That's not Tommy John. That it doesn't result in Tommy John. Well, I, I have one thing to say about it because I, I saw this today and it just kind of, it kind of blew my mind. Even after a couple of days of folks getting, time, getting a chance to digest it, they're, I'm still seeing the, the whole idea with him is go to the surgery now. Go get it now. Don't wait. You're going to need it anyways. And, you know, I find that idiotic. I'm sorry. If you can avoid, if you can find a way to avoid getting this done, you do it. If it means injections and there's a sm- even a small chance that it, gets, that it fixes the problem, you do it because you are physically altering somebody's body by doing the surgery, period. And it's permanent. You can't go back and fix it. Once you do it, once you, you are changing that ligament. You're changing everything about that joint. That's just how it is. Yeah, no, I don't agree with that at all. That doesn't make that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, That's like see, being thirty years old with heart damage and wanting a heart transplant because you already have a little bit of heart damage and you're like, Well, I'm gonna need a new heart anyway, so in twenty years, so I'm just gonna get a heart transplant now. That doesn't make any sense. Well, you you have to think of it this way. It is it's not even a grade one sprain yet. You're not even to that point where it's just a grade one sprain. There's some damage there apparently to what they call the equivalent of wear and tear. All right. Well, if you can find a way physically to fix it through these injections, then why wouldn't you do that? You know, even if the odds are minimal, I think of five pitchers that I could come up with right now, it only worked for one of them. I'll still take that 20% chance because you may be saving this guy's career long term. You may be keeping his stuff. What I would like to see from him is I've had an issue with his delivery. You mentioned his delivery. I have a problem with it because of the way his arm movement is. He puts more torque on that arm than he really should. Mm-hmm. 
And I think it's more pronounceable if you watch the Major League film, not the collegiate film. If you go back and look at it, the way his arm comes out, you could tell just by the way the arm moves and flows forward, that he's putting more into that arm than what should be going to it. It should be coming from your leg. Your leg should be providing that push you need, and it's more coming from the arm. And so I've been saying this for a year, by the way, since he came up, that I had concerns about his delivery. And the problem is you just don't fix that stuff. Like You just can't go fix someone's delivery. It's like they've been doing this for years. It's, this is how they pitch. To try and fix delivery, usually it would come after a surgery because now you've been out for a while and this is how you've worked back into it. You, they were they've been able had time to actually fix something and change the the routine, but that's not going to happen. So I don't know how you even address it, or even if you do address it. But that's my real problem. It's I don't I do not like the idea of trying to get this kid with surgery now. You don't cut up someone's ligament replace with new or whatever when it's not actually torn yet it's only a it's not even a grade one sprain yeah that doesn't make that doesn't make sense to me i'm totally on board with what what you just said all right so moving forward folks we are looking for sponsors we are in need of sponsors hook us up okay if you want to work with us to advertise with with our team here reach out to us talking halos at gmail.com if you like what we're doing and want to help us keep the lights on here you can also leave a voicemail at 657-665-453 and this takes us to our next two segments the chicago white Sox on our tour run the league we sat down with the sock machines josh nelson it's been it's been a little bit of time here because we've had some uh you know some stuff going on but check out our interview with josh nelson from the Sox machine all right folks i'm here with josh nelson from the Sox machine one of our more fun guests from last season had to have him back for the tour run the league and we're here to talk some white Sox because uh well the white Sox have had a pretty interesting surprising i guess it might be the better word josh off season here i i didn't see this coming i just recall our conversation last year and you not seeing it coming? I'm, I was questioning. Holy crap! This is the one of the largest markets in the country, and they don't spend money. And here we are, months later. What the heck happened in Chicago? I think internally for the White Sox, the words that are coming from Rick Hahn when he speaks to the media in the last week as they are heading up to their big fan convention called Sox Fest, that he has said this has always been the plan financially when they started the rebuild is that they were going to shed a lot of payroll. They're going to play a lot of quadruple a type of players alongside Jose Abreu and slash payroll down, which they did after the 2019 season. Uh, They were down to $50 million payroll. And we looked at it from the point of view of man, if they just carried a $120 million payroll, which is still going to be, below league average that the white Sox could add 70 million dollars in new contracts and on SoxMachine.com, we always have the off-season plan project where fans can be the general manager of the white Sox and explain how they would spend uh, owner jerry reinsdorf's money in the off-season and we got a lot of great plans and you know oftentimes you know some fans get carried away and you had a lot of fans signing garrett cole and we knew that wasn't going to be a realistic possibility 
But when the White Sox signed Yasmani Grandal, that really changed the whole perspective on how this offseason was going to go for the White Sox. And I went to the winter meetings and I polled a lot of national writers, some writers from New York, and they say that the rumor is true that the White Sox did offer a five-year, $120 to $125 million contract to Zach Wheeler. Ultimately, Wheeler went to Philadelphia and we thought, well, if they're willing to make that offer, are they willing to, to spend big on somebody else? And, and the answer to that question was no. Uh, but instead of giving another player a $100 million contract, what they went ahead and did is that they spread it out. I mean, they got Dallas Keuchel for three years, $55 million. If they pick up his fourth-year option, that becomes the largest contract that the White Sox have ever signed uh, in free agent history at four years, $74 million. So very similar to the deal that they signed Yasmani Grandal. Uh, they got Gio Gonzalez on a, on a one-year prove-it type of deal to help build rotation. Uh, I should say depth in the starting rotation for the White Sox. Uh, they traded for Nomar Mazzara. Uh, they signed Edwin Encarnacion to provide more power in the lineup. And they had a lengthy shopping list in which Rick Hahn publicly did say that I need a right fielder, I want two starting pitchers, and we got to find a DH. And the White Sox have checked off every single one of those items on their shopping list, and they're going to be at a payroll hovering around $125 million heading to 2020. And yes, they are in one of the larger markets, Derek, but this team acts very similar to like the Milwaukee Brewers. They, they act like a small to mid-market type of franchise when it comes to spending. And I think the White Sox have spent well this offseason, and they are giving themselves a fighting chance to be a dark horse contender in the American League Central in 2020. This sounds a little weird for me to ask this, but why only dark horse? Because the guys they brought in, combined with the young guys you already have, to me, is scream at least contender for the division and division right now where the Indians are coming back and the twins have some pitching issues. Why not the white Sox? I mean, just why only dark horse Cleveland's starting rotation is still the best in the division and the white Sox, even having Lucas Giolito and adding Dallas Keuchel and Gio Gonzalez still having some very impressive young arms. They just right now don't match up with, Cleveland starting rotation with Shane Bieber and Mike Clevenger heading that rotation up uh, after they traded Corey Kluber away. And the Indians still have the best player in the division in Francisco Lindor. And Jose Ramirez started to show flashes in the second half of last year that he was going to come back to his near MVP form that we saw in 2016 through the 2018 seasons. So Cleveland is still going to be a very good team. That's a team I think is going to win more than 85 games. I agree with you on the Minnesota Twins of their starting rotation, that after Jose Perrios and Jake Odorizzi, it's not very impressive. Uh, they are still lacking starting pitching, in my opinion. But that lineup, that lineup hit more than 300 home runs last year. And now you're adding Josh Donaldson to that lineup? They have one of the best lineups in the American League. I would dare say maybe the second best lineup behind the New York Yankees in the American League. The Minnesota Twins are going to score a lot of runs. So while the White Sox, yeah, you can look at them and, you know, 83, 85 wins right now and 
If the rookies step in and they have immediate impact, perhaps they could get to 90 wins. But the Twins and Indians are still a very good team, and I would still put them ahead over the White Sox just because their strengths are incredibly stronger than the strength of the White Sox. So what are the White Sox strength, strengths? Not strength, strengths. After all the moves they made, they made so many of them. I can just go through this mm-hmm. list here, and this is bananas. You got everything from the veteran power hitter, Edwin Encarnacion, to your pitching staff. I'm just, my goodness. So where where they fit in? Where are their strengths? Right now, I would say their offense has gotten a lot better. Eloy Jimenez had a fantastic month of September, and he started to figure out where he did get. He did hit over 30 home runs in his rookie year, and Yoan Mikata had a terrific season. And, of course, Tim Anderson won the American League batting title as he showed that as long as he keeps the ball in play, often he's going to find himself on base more than a third of the time. And that is kind of surprising from everything that we saw in the minor leagues when he was coming up through the farm system and his first few years with the White Sox where nobody thought he would ever hit 300. And sure enough, he hits better than 300 and he wins the American League batting title. And when you have those young proven hitters now, because we've seen them do it, and you add in the veterans like Grandal and Encarnacion. And now you're going to add rookies at some point this season, like Luis Robert, who might be the best prospect in all of Major League Baseball, who's going to be on the opening day roster and be the starting center fielder for the Chicago White Sox. And eventually we'll see Nick Magical, who never strikes out. He had a 3% strikeout rate in the minor leagues last year, and that's over three levels. And we'll see about Nomar Mazzara. Mazzara, uh, Angels fans have seen plenty of him, and you guys probably scratch your heads as much as we are right now in Chicago on why Nomar Mazzara is not better. But if he's able to finally tap into that potential we have heard about for so long from international scouts to prospect writers that this is someone that had 30-plus home runs, if he's able to tap into that potential that he's always had the chicago white Sox could be a team that hit only 182 home runs in 2019 derek to possibly hitting more than 250 home runs in 2020 and that type of jump is really going to change uh their fate for the upcoming season in which they're just going to score a lot more runs than they did last year so Put this out there for me. Help me break this down a little bit more. Now, what's the future look now? You're thinking competitive, a dark horse team. They got some young guys coming up. Where do you see this team moving in the next couple of years? Where, where, what, what road are they on? You know, that's a really good question. They should be on the road to. I don't. I don't want to say own the American League Central, but they should be on the road to be favorites in the American League Central. 2021 to, let's say, 2024, uh, which is the window that they are really aiming for. You know, some of the the Twins are going to have some tough decisions as far as contracts go, as some of their homegrown talent enter arbitration. They took care of Miguel Sano with a new four-year deal. 
they may continue to do that with Byron Buxton and Max Kepler and Jose Barrios. And if they do, that obviously extends their window. And it'll be a fun little race between the White Sox and Twins over the next few years. But as far as like in 2020, to, to get to that part, there are some questions that we need answered from the pitching side for the Chicago White Sox this season. The starting rotation could be another strength, Derek. However, I don't know. I think everybody knows what you're going to get out of Gio Gonzalez these days. He's just a veteran who, if healthy, will give you 30 starts where he's averaging five innings a start. He'll throw 150 innings for you. He'll be like a one-war type of starting pitcher. Dallas Keuchel probably will get you 175 to 200 innings in a season, and he may be two to three wins above replacement type of starting pitching. These guys are not leading the rotation anymore like they were a few years ago when they were in their prime. Lucas Giolito is the ace of this rotation, but the questions have to come down to what is, who are Dylan Cease, Reynaldo Lopez, and Michael Kopech as far as starting pitchers? Are these guys going to find the consistency that the White Sox can count on them? They have the talent. They have the stuff. All three of them throw harder than 97 miles per hour. And they have very good breaking pitches. But Michael Kopech's been hurt. He missed all of 2019. We saw Dylan Cease last year. And Cease would have some clean innings. And then he would just have a meltdown inning in his starts and oftentimes he's either the second or third inning that just really inflated his era and Ronaldo lopez was a bit frustrated to watch with his inconsistencies he'll go one game strike out 12 batters and then the next game he can't get out of the fourth inning he was just incredibly uh inconsistent for the white Sox last year and i know that's a major frustration point especially for manager Rick Retoria, And that's going to be something we're going to watch at camp if there's a bit of a trust factor between the White Sox and Ronaldo Lopez moving forward. But if two of those three guys can figure it out and they can gain some consistency and they can, uh, uh, you know, just using the basic stats, if they can be starting pitchers that have an ERA below four, Derek, and then they are two or three war type of starting pitchers, then I think it becomes very realistic that the White Sox are going to be the favorites in the American League Central in 2021 and beyond because now they got the starting pitching to match up with a very powerful offense. And that combination should be good enough, especially if Cleveland decides to move away from Francisco Lindor. Uh, and you still have the Tigers and Royals rebuilding. There's not a lot of competition in the American League Central. But again, until Lopez, Kopech, and Cease provide those answers, one way or another, if they are starting pitchers they could count on, or if they're not starting pitchers the White Sox could count on, it's still a bit unclear on where this team is going to be in the next couple of years. What role does Yasmani Grandal have on that? Because he's one of the best callers in the game and also a bat. And I got to think his experience will help these pitchers out a lot, especially these young guys you're talking about. And I think that's why Grandal was the number one free agent target for the White Sox and why a week after the GM meetings, they signed Grandal, knowing that they needed someone like Grandal 
on their team to work with these young pitchers and to help them call a better game and help steal some strikes and try to get them a little bit more consistent in the strike zone. And if Grandal can do that, then it's just not a big boost offensively because Grandal is still a very good offensive player and he is a switch hitter and the White Sox definitely needed better left-handed bats in their lineup from what we saw in 2019. And that obviously is the first big benefit that you see from Yasmani Grandal coming off the paper. But if you really dig deep as far as into the framing stats and what Grandal could do helping a starting pitching staff, if he can help Lopez, Cease, and Kopech figure it out, then yeah, that, that benefit is as equal, if not greater, than his bat. And that's really saying something as Grundell is one of the better hitting catchers in all of Major League Baseball. And I think the hope is signing Grundell to a four-year contract, a 31-year-old catcher to a four-year contract, is that the White Sox are hoping that Grundell can help with a starting rotation and get those young guys to figure it out. There was a lot of talk over on our side about getting Grandal when we saw, saw him go off the table and go off the table to the White Sox I just remembered our conversation and going oh man well there's my shocker <laughs> they went they went and got him and they went and spent the money for him Grandal to me is the key to all of it he stays healthy and he can really handle that pitching staff this White Sox team is a true contender at least from my view I mentioned Dark Horse and your reasons are perfectly valid for that on my end, from the outside looking in, you guys just have some pieces there that are very interesting. And especially as the Indians, you mentioned their rotation. And yes, it is one of the better rotations. But there's a lot of question marks there with that team. And they're going to take a, a step back for a couple of years while they reload very shortly, whether it's this year or next year. So I'm just sitting there thinking, man, these White Sox are primed. They're right there. They got everything going. And um, I guess that leads me to this last, not this, not sure if it's the last question or not, depends on what you say. But what stands in their way right now, in your view, from taking that next step besides the pitchers? Well, there's the starting pitchers, and then there's the bullpen. The bullpen, we'll see. Bullpens have been very fickle across Major League Baseball. You think that a team has a good bullpen, but it seems like the relievers themselves have just not, they're not very consistent teams are writing some relievers some key relievers really hard and, and is their positive value doesn't carry from season to season it seems like the white Sox did sign steve ceshek to help out as far as the bullpen but they're trying to count on kelvin herrera to bounce back he, he was awful in 2019 uh, alex colomay if you go to his baseball savant page is that cast numbers kind of worry you? And he's going to be the closer for the White Sox. I like Aaron Bummer. He was awesome in 2019. Aaron Bummer was terrible in 2018. So which Aaron Bummer are the White Sox getting in 2020? And they still have to fill out the rest of the, the bullpen. So the bullpen is where I'm a bit worried. If the White Sox bullpen can perform well, at least in the first half, then when it comes to July trading deadline, Rick Hahn can move some prospects to 
enhance that bullpen and give them uh, a better shot as far as to win the American League Central or try to grab one of the wild cards if the White Sox are playing well enough for him to merit that type of move. But also outside of the bullpen, there is still a lack of depth for the White Sox. The, you know, we were told when they started this rebuild, they wanted wave after wave after wave of talent. And we have seen the waves of talent arrive to Chicago. Where is the next wave coming? Well, it's Luis Robert and Nick Madrigal. After that wave, it's their first-round pick of 2019, Andrew Vaughn. But right now, it's just Andrew Vaughn, realistically, that is going to be a major leaguer for the White Sox. Some of their top prospects, some of their top 10 prospects, if you go to MLBPipeline.com, either were hurt for a vast majority of 2019, or they greatly underperformed in 2019. And Rick Hahn has even mentioned why the White Sox had to be so active this offseason, because players that they were counting on to develop and be ready for the major leagues just again got either hurt or they didn't perform that well in double a and they need to repeat that level so a critical thing for the white Sox this year is that they have to stay healthy because they just don't have that depth right now in triple a and double a that they could count on that if mikata has to go on the injured list because he sprained his ankle and he's going to miss two weeks they don't really have a viable third base backup op- option right now. Uh, and same thing goes with Aloy Jimenez. They don't have another 20 home run bat in Charlotte to help in left field for the, the, the Major League Ball Club uh, to make up that loss. So for the White Sox, there are two reasons why they may not win the American League Central. Uh, it is the bullpen depth and it's their overall depth as far as with their minor leaguers not being ready to contribute in the major leagues. So the major leaguers have to stay healthy. they got to stay on the field just because they, they're they still waiting for their prospects to take that next jump in their development, and it may take them the 2020 season to do it. What does the White Sox minor league system look like below AA, talent-wise? It's a lot of question marks. They, they have spent more draft picks on high schoolers, and they have continued to spend money on international prospects, the teenagers out of the Dominican Republic. So we're going to have a better idea this season when they come stateside and when the high schoolers get out of Arizona from the uh, Arizona Fall League or the Arizona Development League, and they join the single-A affiliate for the Chicago White Sox is in Kannapolis, North Carolina. Uh, they are the Kannapolis Cannonballers now. They changed their team name as they move into a new stadium for 2020. So the answer to your question is it's unknown. It's unknown after A, and that's a problem in itself, right? Because <laughs> there's no surefire after Andrew Vaughn type of prospect that we could all count on is just going to quickly go through the system and it's going to be part of the Chicago White Sox in 2021 or 2022. But we should get more clarity in 2020. I still think it requires patience because these are younger prospects. They are teenagers we are talking about. Uh, so we'll learn more, but uh, nobody should be writing or penciling them in in any future lineups at this moment, whether that's even 2023 and beyond. We just don't know enough. All right, Josh, thanks so much for taking your time on this Monday night to visit with us. Can you let folks know where they can find your work, 
including the podcast, all your written work, and so on and so forth. Yeah, absolutely. You can read our stuff and listen to our podcast on SoxMachine.com. You can also follow us on Twitter. We are at SoxMachine. And if you'd like to follow me on Twitter, I'm at SoxMachine underscore Josh. And one thing I do have to say about the Angels, being in San Diego for the winter meetings and sitting in the hotel lobby and learning that the Angels had signed Anthony Rendon, that may have been the biggest surprise of the winter meetings. Not so much that Steven Strasburg and Garrett Cole signed, even though those were pretty big surprises, but the fact that the Angels were able to pivot so quickly after losing out on Garrett Cole and get Anthony Rendon within 24 hours was one of the more shocking and impressive things that any team has done this offseason. You know what's funny about that? Is I kept telling the guys, as we are getting late in the season last year, I said, guys, they're going to go to bat. They're going to go get a bat, whether it's third base or a catcher. I mean, I was, I was thinking Rendall at the time, but Rendon was on my mind. Um, that third base pro- has been a problem since Troy Gloss was traded. Okay? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a, a long time, you know. And I, I told the guys they're going to get a bat. I'm watched. They're going to get a bat. And about a day or so before he signed. We started hearing more and more buzz that the Angels are in hard on him, like they had pivoted, which was the first sign to me they, they were going to lose out on Cole a few days before this when they started pivoting towards him. And then they got him. And I was like, I can't believe it. I was right. For once in my life, <laughs> for once, I was right. They went and got a bat. And I, you know, I'm just thinking this changes everything for that lineup now because now for the first time, in a long time, Mike Trout actually has protection. What does this mean for Trout? In my view, this he's going to be even better this year if he stays healthy. I mean, he's going to have probably the best year of his career. I just, I'm stoked to see that lineup, and finally the Angels have solved the problem at third base. But you know, Josh, the weird thing is, is that on the Angels fan base side, people were happy they got him, but the first thing out of their mouth was they need pitching. They still need pitching. They still need pitching. Which That's I true, and I'm but I'm just saying, guys. He fixes the problem every day. This is the difference. Yeah. He fixes the problem every day, and the pitching problem is still there. And it's disappointing they haven't gotten that front line star they needed to get. But worst comes to worst, this team is more fun to watch next year. They're going to be in a lot more games. They're not going to lose ninety games, mm-hmm. and. They still have some time to find some pitching. They, they're going to make a move. I just don't know how. I don't. They're to me, they're being slow because they they have to make the right move. They only have so many bulls in the chamber for that miling system. And they got to make sure they make the right shot. Well, I also I loved watching Joe Adele during the Team USA qualifiers. Uh, even though they didn't qualify for the Olympics, it was no fault of Joe Adele. He was outstanding for Team USA and. Every time I watch him play, he's he's going to be a great one for the Angels. I don't know where Mike Trout's going to play if they keep Trout in center field and move Adele to right field. I don't know how that situation's going to go because I think Joe Adele would be a very good center fielder uh, for any ball club. But, you know, if Justin Upton is healthy, I mean, you got Trout, 
You got Rendon. You got Upton. Adele's going to hit as well. You still got Simmons at shortstop, one of the best defensive gloves at any position in all of Major League Baseball. I'm with you. I, I think that the Angels are in a very similar spot as the Chicago White Sox right now, where you look at that team and say, Right now, they're at about 85 wins. And if everything clicks, yeah, they can win 90-plus games in 2020. Sure, there are some holes in the, in the roster itself, but there's enough there, and there's a high enough floor to give fans hope for 2020 that it's going to be a much better season watching baseball than what we had to endure in 2019 Mm -hmm. and i'm sure games would be a little bit easier now playing in houston nine times a season after what has transpired this off season as well (laughs) we we uh, just had our big podcast recording talking about the uh well first time the two core guys, me and John, got in there and really talked about the Houston thing and and just how much the division changed. Houston's still talented, but man, you lost. They cut the head off a snake with their manager being gone. That whole team is is got to be in a different place mentally. Who knows what Houston's going to do this year? I you know, and I personally believe Houston got off a bit easy. I mean, really, yeah, you lost your manager. You lose your first two rounds of draft picks in the next two years, but baseball. Drafts are they're a shot in the dark, anyways, and you can develop talent third year, third round on it. Not not super easily, but you can find talent if you are good at what you do. You can develop talent third round and down. So I kind of feel like the Houston Astros just got off easy, and and the Angels still have to you know keep going from here. The and to mention your uh, your Trout comment with a with Adele, I think eventually. As Trout crosses over to thirty years old line, they're going to move him to right, you know, and, and they'll put Adele in center field. And, I, and Brandon Marsh, I think they're hesitant now to, to trade him because I think the plan is eventually to, to move Upton over to first or have him platooning at at DH here and there too. And they're going to put Marsh out there in left field. That'll have one of the better, uh, really interesting outfields in the game here in a couple of years. So what could it be? If they the Angels if they are going to score him. some runs, they are that's for sure. So. All right, man. Thanks so much for the time. And you've already got me pumped for the Angels and White Sox getting out this year. We'll have to talk then. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on. All right. Thank you. Take care. All right, Brock. What are your thoughts on the White Sox this year? Well, I definitely agree that they've they've heavily improved, and I'm, I'm glad they just extended Moncada. They're, they're dropping money, and you could tell that they're they're motivated to win, and that's always good to see from a team you know that that has been kind of out of it for a while now. I mean, the last time they made the playoffs that I can remember was when they made the World Series in '05. Is that correct? Yeah, I think so. '05 would be the World Series year. Yeah, mm-hmm. so it's, it's been a while since they've even made made the playoffs, and uh, so it's good. It's good to see a team that's kind of been out of it for a while go out there and and sign some big names, extend their young guys, and they have leadership in the clubhouse, and it's exciting. I, I'm excited to see what they have in store this year. I, I don't I don't know. I'm honestly going to say I don't think they're going to take the division this year, but I think that after free agency and maybe a trade or two at the deadline or a trade or two in the offseason for them is going to make a huge difference, and 
depending on how the the offseason lays out for the rest of the AL Central teams, it seems like they might be favorites for next year to win the division. And I'm, I'm excited to see what they got going on. They're like the they're like the American League Brewers, kind of. I mean, with the, minus the Yelich, but they, you know, they they're like that underdog team that a lot of people aren't going to be talking about. The people generally across the baseball nation aren't going to be like, oh, the the Brewers, oh, the White Sox, but they're going to be sneaky, sneaky people that are going to be in in contention talks. You know, middle of the season, they're going to be pushing pushing up towards those higher ends of the standings and you know it's baseball so who knows they they might take the division i, I don't know maybe they'll take a wild card spot if anything but we'll have to see but i, I like them solid team solid dudes and good organization it seems like from what they did this offseason i tend to agree with josh i think they're probably your way i would it wouldn't surprise me if they took that step forward this year i think it would rely a lot on what the indians do the Indians, to me, are a team that's starting to come back a little bit. They have players leaving. They, they don't have as much pitching right now that they can rely on as they have in the past. They're, they're kind of in flux. They have new guys coming up. They have new guys they're trading for to fill gaps. And so you never really know how good the Indians are going to be. On the flip side, the White Sox are young. They're probably needing a little bit more experience together as one team. So I'm thinking next year is really the year for them to make their move and it also depends on what the Twins do, especially if they're pitching. So, there you go. Now, the other team we want to look at is the New York Yankees. I sat down with Jack Jokinen from the George's Box podcast this week. And boy, you guys will like this one, I think. Depends on, on your point of view of liking. But he's got quite a, few, quite a few different opinions about the Astros, about, yeah, the Angels. He even interviews me a little bit in there. And, well... Check it out. Here's Jack Jokinen from the George's Box Pod. All right, folks. I'm here with JJ from the George's Box Pod at New York Yankees Podcast. Yes, those hated Yankees are doing this part of the tour of the league. JJ, how you doing, man? Doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. Getting ready for the season to start. Yeah, and we have a common enemy, apparently, on opening day. We have lots of Yankee fans and Dodger fans showing up to see the Astros play our Angels out here in... Uh, any chance you're going to make make a run out to see some of these uh, Astros games this year anywhere? No, no. I mean, no. I probably won't even go in New York because it'll be like a it's like a Monday through Thursday like weekday series the last week of the season. So it's just like by that time I just don't care. <laughs> you know, like I I think the punishments like the punishments were a joke. They should have been much worse. Um, I think like what they did is terrible, but. You can't, like, if nothing's going to happen, like, me being upset about it isn't going to help anyway. And by that time, you know, the last week of the season, I should just be thinking about playoff rotations. Yeah, and hopefully you are. I mean, for on our side, we're just hoping we have a healthy team come July most, most years. But for you guys, you go out there and spend tons of money on Garrett Cole. You guys are hoping... Some other folks stay healthy. A ton of move this year. And I want to get there, but I have to really ask the overall thoughts. I mean, this is a team that I mean, there's some belief that they cheated playing you guys. Oh, the Astros? Yes. Yeah, oh, yeah, no, they definitely did. I mean, they, they 100% did. Um, I've uh, talked to people who in the organization who were like, yeah, that's a thing we did. Like, right away, like, yep, that's a thing we did. Um I have really good reason to believe that the uh, the buzzer thing is real. Like, yeah, they cheated. What they did is terrible. Um, I think 
AJ Hinch should have been banned from baseball for life. Um, I think Joey Cora uh, may still get that. Uh, and then when you look at like some of the players, there are guys who are out of the Hall of Fame. Uh, you know, which uh, the Hall of Fame is a whole other thing that I don't think really matters anymore. But you know, there are guys who are missing out on opportunities and business opportunities post playing days. You know, like a Pete Rose um, for you know doing things that were actually like kind of less. And so when you look at the way they cheated, the cockiness, like just the attitude about it, I don't understand how Manfred says, you know, I'm going to let them all go because they gave up information. Uh, and also he said that it's because I, I forget the exact quote, but it was along the lines of like, we didn't go after the players because we knew with the union, it just get hung up and we'd eventually probably lose. And at that point, I was just like, you can't be the commissioner of baseball anymore. Like, I still don't think you can. I don't think anyone respects him. Um, even if you lose that fight, like, at least go have that fight. Like, that's what we look for in a leader. As a guy who just, I'm just a baseball guy. I love baseball. Um, to see him just be like, ah, forget about it. We're fine. Uh, it was concerning for, like, the future of the game and other disciplines. Because I think whatever the next thing is, um, It'll, uh, you know, it'll come back harder. And when you look at like the last thing was steroids, the Yankees were involved in that, um, even though I have no problem with steroids either. So like if it's like punishment, skip a generation, you just hope you're not in the next one. Well, that's the real problem I've been having a hard time with is you're still having a hard time getting getting Barry Bonds in. You're having a hard time getting Roger Clemens in. You're having a hard time getting some of these other folks that, you know, Never actually tested positive during their game days. Like you rely on the Mitchell Report. A couple of angels are listed in the Mitchell Report from 2002, our World Series team. And but yeah, all that he rose done by Manfred. Like Manfred was running all that, and he's just he's shown himself to be inept. And that's yeah. What that's do you my question. Think about I forget who said it, but um, someone said Mike Trout was uh, is taking human growth hormone or something like that. Oh my gosh, I forget who it was. And I just laugh at them. But I mean, to you guys, it's just like, this is, you know, this is nothing. I mean, we we have our own scandal brewing. And it's been brewing with, with Skaggs from last year. We're still waiting. There's a grand jury that's been put together down there in Texas over it. And we're all just kind of hoping it was just Eric Kay and, you know, there was one other dude who knew about it and the other guys didn't know about it. But what if the, what if the organization didn't know about it? What if... Man, what if Tim Mee knew about it? What if they all knew about it? And then we're like, okay, well, <laughs> who? what do you do then? I mean, what would I do then at hosting a podcast covering a team that just basically covered up a major opioid scandal? And then, I mean, I don't believe that's true. I don't, I don't believe that was the actual case. But, man, if it comes out that way, I have my own moral dilemma here running this podcast. So I get it. I definitely do. And I'm, I want to flip it back around to you in 2017 when – Baseball put out the warning to both the Red Sox and the Yankees about signs. Now we're hearing, I forget who it was. I was at IG's Morrison. Was it Morrison? Logan Morrison? I believe who accused the Yankees, the Dodgers, of pulling shenanigans as well. I mean, where do you guys go with that? Logan Morrison is a loser. A tremendous loser. (laughs) Um, Best known for getting popular on Twitter. He was like the first popular athlete on Twitter. And it just like became too much for him, so he quit. Um, but he had hundreds of thousands of followers before anyone did that. And 
He, I don't know, he had issues with the Yankees because I think that was the year when he thought he should be in the home run derby, but Gary Sanchez was in it, um, and Sanchez put on the display. But, yeah, I mean, there was, you know, stuff with, like, Apple Watches and stuff, and then the MLB put in rules. Like, I think this is different from, like, steroids because for a good part, uh, like, what they did, the steroids guys, for the most part, wasn't illegal. Like, for a good part of that, like, when Mark Wire was a rookie and, like, you know, in the 90s, there were no rules in place that said that you couldn't take steroids. Like, they were illegal, but mm-hmm. it wasn't on any baseball, like, rules. Sure. Um, with this, it was like, you can't use technology, but then there were, like, different things that teams were doing just as, like, as technology got better. Not to be... Like cheaters, but when it came to like just using iPads in the dugout, being able to see at bats like right away. But like what these guys did is just like there's a huge difference. It's, yeah, it's them. beyond the scope. It's you know organizationally going through the whole thing and through you know through your front office, through your 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 clubhouse is everywhere, and we don't know how to be one even now. And when, I mean, when we look at 17, um, you know, obviously there's also the Dodgers. But so you've got to say, like, the Yankees took the Angels to seven, the um, Astros to seven games. The Dodgers took them to seven games. Like, so the Yankees have at least a 50-50 shot there at winning a World Series. Uh, if it's not for, you know, if you're, you've got a team that's getting, that knows what's coming, and you take them to seven games, like, you have a good shot that you would have won in the next round. Well, their argument is they didn't cheat in the postseason. I mean, that's their uh, argument. Well, that, that's... No, but then there's been conflicting reports that they did. I mean... And the but, buzzer thing, I think the buzzer thing is real. I've been told that in that clubhouse, there are... So in that clubhouse, almost everyone knew about the banging. Because it's tough to just miss the bang. Maybe some bullpen guys who didn't catch on to it. Because um, it wasn't just openly discussed all the time. Like, hey, guys, we won. It's crazy. We did it on, like, seven pitches. Like, they did mm-hmm. it, and they didn't talk about it. It was real, like, sociopath behavior. And then, but there's a smaller group of guys, like the extension guys, the Altuves, Bregman, Springer, guys who were, like, there for the long haul, that, like, for to other players, they had heard rumors about buzzers and stuff, and they had a lot of stuff that they just did together. Um, that has led other players uh, to think that it's real. Now, what would you say to, say, a Houston Sports Talks Robert Land, who claims and states outright in our show, he said in our show that you know Altuve didn't do it, Altuve didn't cheat. And what would you say to that claim that are made by those who are reporting from out down there? I mean, what do you, they all cheated. We we know that they all cheated. Like Altuve, just because he had. Just because there were guys who had, like, 400 bangs doesn't make his 28 bangs zero bangs. Like, that's still 28 times the trash can was banged during his at-bats in the 2017 season. Like, as a guy who's got, you know, Mike Trout on his team, what if Mike Trout 28 times in the season could know the pitch that was coming? I mean, that'd be a real game-changer. Yeah, it would be a game-changer. I mean, I'm I'm not making... The argument that Altuve did not cheat, by the way, I'm I'm giving the counter. We had this guy on. It was, I gotta tell you, man, it was an hour long, just back and forth between him and I. And he's claimed to he's blue in the face. Altuve did not cheat. He did not wear the buzzer. Didn't use a buzzer. And 
So I can see the argument for, like, he didn't wear the buzzer. You could say, hey, I don't think he wore the buzzer. I could say, I think he wore the buzzer. Neither one of us are going on anything. Like, mm-hmm. for me, you know, there's him just coming around the bases, don't take my jersey off, the stupid tattoo thing. Like, he didn't have a shirt on in game six until the eighth inning. Then he had a shirt on. Then it was off again for the ninth. So, sure. like, as, like, leads changed, very weird behavior that he's had. And, like, the only counter-argument is, like, well, look at all the times he wore a shirt and wasn't weird about it. Like, that's all there is. You know, he acted suspicious. I have talked to people who are uh, reliable sources that have said, like, uh, you know, a strong reason to believe that it's true. And at a minimum, though, so if you want to say, hey, he didn't do that, like, I don't have enough proof to say that he did. But there's 28 banks. And if you let Aaron Judge have 28 times where – because I didn't go through all 28. I just re- I read an article. Um, like there's probably some high leverage situations in there where it's like, you know, hey, it's late in the game. I'd like to know what's coming. Absolutely. I, you know, I didn't, I didn't need to the rest of the week. But we're playing, we're playing the Angels. We've got the division on the line. We've got the rain. You know, we're playing the Rangers, whatever it is. Like, you know, we're playing Boston, we're playing New York. This could come, you know, back in terms of seeding. Let me know what's coming here for the ninth inning. And the worst part about it, we'll never know. Because they they took that, you know. I mean, I'm talking about in terms of that season. We won't know if the Yankees would have won a seven, you know, one to what would have won. We don't know if the Dodgers would have won. I would like to think. Given the one game change and all that, maybe I mean even if the, even if the Astros absolutely did not cheat in the in the postseason, just going be able to go through the regular season like, with that they advantage. Even been there, they shouldn't. Have, I mean, like they shouldn't have had home field. They shouldn't have maybe even been in the playoffs. I mean, they have the talent to be there. I'm guessing, given the AL West at that time, they probably would have won the division. But I don't think they have a better record than say the the uh, the Yankees do going to the playoffs that year. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. So, like, I mean, the Yankees have home field there. Or, like, I mean, maybe they don't make the playoffs. Because the, there's a big thing. Obviously, like, they went out and they got Verlander that year. And Jose Altuve had an MVP year with only 28 bangs. But, like, these guys had, like, they had an advantage. And for mm-hmm. so many of them, that season was a real coming out party for, like, for Bregman and Springer. And obviously, these guys have shown promise and talent their entire like lives that's how they you know hockey stick curved up to being elite athletes but i mean i don't know do they have the talent because we haven't really seen these guys play straight up like there are alley we're talking 16 like guys like trevor bauer go back as far as 16 and people go all the way through to 19 so it's like uh, for the last three seasons we haven't seen these guys play straight up like whether you know so are they that good? We'll see. I think they probably are. I think they still make the playoffs this year because um, you guys aren't going to do anything about it. So, <laughs> you know. I mean, well, it depends. It depends. We're, we, I think right now the Angels are probably 84-90 win team. And it's hoping you get some guys actually stay healthy this year, and you're hoping that they go pick up some pitching at the deadline. They're, the pitching as for the Angels as far as spring training has been fine. It's actually been pretty decent. But, you know, if you're an Angels fan, all you can say is, 
injured list, injured list, injured list, and injured list 45 times over because it's all whatever happens to an Angels pitcher. For you guys, though, you got a couple of your couple of your own. Luis Severino, Tommy John. What does the Yankees staff look like this year, and where are they going? Well, we're going to the Canyon Heroes for the parade. Um, but, I mean, we got Garrett Cole, who's the greatest free agent uh, pitcher of all time. And, yeah, he went out and he got shelled today. But, like, who knows what he was doing? It's a spring training game. He knows he's only got two innings. Like, is he going out there and working on a pitch that, like, clearly doesn't work? Like, who knows? Like, go out there, do whatever you got to do. The guy's a consummate professional. If you – one thing is, like, he was always just a really good pitcher. Like, if you see him from afar, he's just a really good pitcher. Because you re- you're only catching him on, um, like, Sports Center or maybe if it's a Sunday night baseball or you're facing him in the playoffs – um, well, you guys, you know, you wouldn't know about that, but um, the interviews that he gives, like the way he thinks about the game, uh, I've gotten really into reading about Trevor Bauer in the last year and like how his approach and how like scientific it is. Um, and it's a thing that the Yankees just didn't have in place for Sonny Gray to utilize because he thinks that way too. Uh, Garrett Cole is one of those guys. So. You know he's going to go out there and be a frontline starter. He's going to be a leader. He's already taken uh, some of the minor league guys who are maybe a fifth starter for us under his wing. Um, you've got Tanaka who can go out there and be the best pitcher in the game on any given day, or he could be pretty bad. But like that's most pitchers. But he, you know, playoff Tanaka is a thing you need. Um, and then Jay Happ trying to bounce back. Uh, he had a terrible year. You know, the ball with a juice ball and being a fly ball pitcher. In Yankee Stadium, you're going to give up a lot of home runs, and he did. So far, he's looked pretty good. Um, it seems that he's made some adjustments, changed his number. You know how baseball players are. They're superstitious. Changing the number could be the biggest thing that ever happened to him. Mm-hmm. But the guy's like 37 years old, so you know he's a pro, and he's supposed to be a number five starter. He's our number three to start the year. And then we'll get James Paxson back in May uh, to slide into our two slot. And he may need a little bit of ramping up, but big game James, uh, he showed out in the playoffs. He's in a contract year. He's a Boris guy in a contract year. So he's probably going to show out for the time that he has. And, uh, you know, all you can do is be, you know, be confident in that he really pieced things together at the end of last year. Um, Severino's out for the year, but like Severino's out for last year. And Severino can't pitch in the playoffs. So until Severino shows me something, like I can't be too upset. Like, yes, the potential. Uh, from what he was in early 2018, because at the end of 2018 he stunk. Like he he had like 18 wins, but his last two were like against garbage teams like the Rays, and it was like you know like 10-6. You know he was giving up runs. Um, so you can't be too upset about that. And then you just let the young guys fight it out for that uh, fourth and fifth spot until Paxton comes back, and it's just a fifth spot. Uh, Jordan Montgomery just missed almost the entire year. He threw a little bit at the end of the year from a Tommy John surgery, but the guy's hit a 94, which he hasn't hit in a while. Um, he's got good stuff. He's young. He's hungry. He's, you know, just spent a year in Tampa rehabbing. Uh, and, and we got a couple other guys that are, you know, right on the cusp in AAA, that, whether it's, you know, Garcia, um, you know, or, uh, or Schmidt, it might come up. You know, one of them can reach out there and grab that spot, kind of, you know, grab the brass ring. Yeah, I, I just I can't worry too much about the injuries because Sevy's, you know, like I said, he wasn't there before. And, you know, Paxton will be back. Like, he tried to just avoid surgery, and there's mm-hmm. no such thing as a minor surgery, so you can't, like, fault him that much on it. 
you know, Severy got hurt playing baseball. He probably should have had this done last year. But at least we know now, you know, we'll get him back at some point in a year and we'll see what he's got. And then in June, we get the wife beater back, Domingo Herman. So, like, that guy just won, a, you know, a ton of games for us last year. That's a nice, like, if you can put aside the, like, the domestic violence, like, that's a nice trade deadline pickup that costs us nothing. Give me a little information, like, on the culture of the fan base, you know, how you view, say, the wife beater. Is that something you guys are willing to look past if he's paid his penance? Or is there, how do you, because, again, I'm not in the New York culture. I'm not really sure. So I'm asking the honest question. Yeah, no, no, no. Uh, I asked the same thing. Like, I, um, on my show, like, I've had, uh, I had a woman on and asked her, like, you know, as a Yankee fan, like, how does that make you feel? Um, so, one, we were all, like, there was no one who, I, there was no one who's like, fucking smack her around mm-hmm. who showed her. Like, no one's a fan of it. Um, there are people who, you know, at times, even during the playoffs, like, you are, our pitching was so thin that we, you know, there was just like, did fucking, he fucked us. Domingo Herman fucked us. You know, when we have no one to start against the Astros, we're starting Chad Green again in a uh, game six. You're just like, oh, awesome. You've already thrown 60 pitches to these guys. Why couldn't Herman not have smacked her around or whatever it is that he did? Um, I think it'll be, it's so far out still. And getting Cole, so it's like it takes some of the pressure off of off of it. And you know, if we had one less injured guy, there'd be really no pressure on it. But it has to get closer for us to really decide. But like, if the guy comes in and he pitches well, it's you know we're going to be fine with it, unless there's like you know if we get a uh, a Ray Rice video, like if we get something like that. Yeah, if yeah. you remember Ray Rice, like it was a mm-hmm. thing that was out there and it wasn't real, like to the NFL too. Like it wasn't real until they saw it. Um, there was no police report. We don't know anything. We just know something happened the night of the CC Sabathia, uh, like foundation thing. That's all we know. Um, we don't know if he hit her, grabbed her, yelled at her, threw her out of a car. We have no idea what it is. If we had that information, then we'd know the scale. But, um, there's no police report. There's, you know, nothing. Like, I've tried to go through, uh, like, any connections I have, like, in the NYPD. And, like, everyone's like, there's nothing. There's nothing to show. So you have no way to even judge that there was even a crime commit at this point. Yeah. So, like, in terms of whether or not there was a crime, like, I guess technically there there, there wasn't because, like, no one's been charged with anything. But, um I mean, MLB knows what happened, and they decided a half a season. So you know it's not anything good, but until it's, like, right in your face. I mean, and what am I going to do? Like, cheer against the guy? Like, he's on the team. I'm not going to – I'll still be at however many Yankee games I was going to go to. And Aaron Judge, how's that shoulder looking for you guys? Who knows? I think they're just making up tests at this point. He's had, like, 30 tests, and no one knows what's going on. Sometimes he feels in his chest. Sometimes it's in his shoulder. You know, who knows? Um, I think at this point, if it was like a torn pec, like, because that's the biggest fear when they mm-hmm. said it was a pec, everyone's just like, you know, torn pec, especially after last year, all the injuries we had. Like, what's the worst case scenario? That's what it's going to be. Um, 
I, you know, after like 30 tests, I feel like that would have come out. Like anything major like that would have come out. It might just be like a weird muscle thing that goes away. Who knows? It could be something that lingers all year. It could be something that puts them down for the year. At this point, like I, I, the way I look at it is there's like kind of two schools for this. And I don't know what it's like on Angel's Twitter. But on Yankee's Twitter, everyone wants – I don't think anyone on Yankee's Twitter wants us to win the World Series. Uh, everyone just wants to be like, I was the first one to tell you like – Boone fucked up, or it was Girardi oh. fucked up, or Cashman didn't get enough guy. He didn't do enough. I told you, I told you. We're just like, hey, for right now, they're like, I don't know, he might miss opening day, but he said, you know, who knows? Like, I could be back. I just need 30 at bats. Like, that's a week. Just give the guy a week that's 30 at bats. I'd still rather have him 30 at bats than, you know, Mike Talkman 50 at bats. Like, it does, you know, I'd rather 75% of Judge over 100% of most other guys. And even if he's out and, you know, Stanton, it looks like, you know, it's probably he's going to be out for opening day too. Like, I'm not worried about game one. Well, I think every game matters. You need to go out there and win every game. But when you know, when you have the lineup that we have without those guys or without one of those guys, um, and you see the way, like, you know, Clint Frazier's hitting the shit out of the ball. Um, Miguel Andujar is back. He's hitting the ball hard, and you know the timing comes, and they'll they'll sort it out. But you, you just you know you can't. I don't care about games one through thirty. Like I'm worried about game one sixty three. Gotcha. And overall, this team put together right now, and just saying you can reasonably account for there's going to be some injuries, there's going to be some problems. Yeah, I mean, where's this team go next year? I mean, this year. Jesus, it's already 2020. This year, a month away. Where are they going? Uh, I, I, think we're, I think we're winning the World Series. I mean, there is no reason that we shouldn't win the World Series. So, like, our biggest competition to get to the World Series has been the Astros. And we just took their best player. Um, they're also going to, like, it's just going to be a trying year for them. Even though I think they have the talent that, like, they'll still make the playoffs. They don't really have a lot of divisional competition. I mean, maybe, like, Oakland does their, like, normal run and then shits the bed in the playoffs like they always do. But, like, the the path is there for them to still make it. But, like, you're going to get hit with a lot of pitches. And you're going to get slid into it second base a lot of times, Altuve. And that's just, like, those little nicks over 162 games in 187 days, like, eat at you. So... I think we reasonably, if we start the season and judge, let's say judge misses two weeks, and let's say Stanton misses a month, and at some point one of them has to miss, you know, another stretch of games. You know, maybe it's a DL stint or IL. Maybe it's you know just sitting five games, like what you know, whatever it is. Um, that's still that's a lot of firepower. Gary Sanchez, like when Gary Sanchez is on, he is on in the playoffs. He was very off, and you got to figure he's going to miss you know, 35 games for, like, a groin. But he comes back, like, ready to rip every time. Luke Voigt looks good. He looks healthy. DJ LeMay, who doesn't have to move around the field. Like, he's a platinum glove second baseman. He's playing first base for us in the playoffs. So, you know, Glaber is, you know, looking to, to get to 40 home runs. And, and he's, you know, he's a kid. Um, and then you see what you've got with Gio Urshela. Like, you, you see... It was last year for real. It's looked for real so far in spring training. And you let these guys who've now like went through a war last year together uh, trying to make it anywhere with all the injuries that we had, a record amount of injuries that you just got to believe with like the Cole because everyone wanted Cole. And I think 
There's been other times when ever you know everyone was supposed to want Bryce Harper and everyone was you know wanted Manny Machado. Um, we want that splash, I think, as a, a fan base. But I think like as a player, I would imagine you want that splash. You want the team to feel like you're right there. And, like, we're going to get that thing to push you over and that big thing to push you over. Uh, I'm sure there are guys who are like, no, you know, I, I want the, my owner to think, like, we already have it. Like, no, you don't already have it or you would have already won. You'd be defending champions. Mm-hmm. But, like, we're going to go and get you that thing that was sitting in the bullpen in Game 7 and could have gotten a World Series last year for someone who could have been the thing that was misused. And we're going to use it right. We're going to sign him for a long-term deal. We're going to get him in here, like mentoring you guys and teaching you how to be better. We're going to go out and get the pitching coach that we need. We're going to change the training staff, and let's go win a World Series. Now, I got you a little fired up. Don't you wish you could feel like that about the Angels? I do, actually. It's just so. Can I ask you some questions? I don't think Absolutely. I've ever been an Angels fan because I mean, um, I'm, I'm I'm hearing some. Uh, I mean. I, Hearing you come back, I mean, a couple, couple little angel jabs here. I'm sitting there going, well, you I know, you we probably better. earned it. Um, I wish you guys were better. You're wasting my Trout's career. Um, they actually made some moves this year. They, they, they have, they've quietly, and I'm not sure how much the league really realized, they've quietly rebuilt their farm system. It's kind of top-heavy and bottom-heavy. So they have a middle area where they've got some struggles in there. They have finally someone to hit behind Trout for once. It's that will really protect I think Trout will probably have his best year of his career this year. But they they couldn't get Cole. Cole wanted to be a Yankee. And that one that one burned all the you asked me Angel's Twitter, Angel's Twitter is, shall I say, uh, pessimistic. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. It's the best way to say it. The they took some flyers on some pitchers like a Dylan Bundy who struggled in Baltimore with poor defense behind him in a hitter's ballpark to go out to a more of a pitcher's ballpark in Anaheim to work with Mickey Calloway. And you're thinking he's looked great in spring, so that might work. And you're hoping for Shoya Tani to come back in May and, and be what you thought he would be by the time the end of the year comes around. So there's there's hope there. They're a better team than they have been. The farm system is not low with superstars, but it has depth there and some developing players to keep an eye on. So they're going to be better than people think they are. They're, they're not going to win excited, 17 Are you games. excited about Rendon? I am. That's a big one. That's the one. And, and a lot of Angels fans were. They were so broken hard over Cole, but for Rendon, they've needed a third baseman since Troy Gloss left. I mean, that's, that's 15 years, man. You haven't had a regular third baseman you can rely on that can hit behind Trout. I mean, for... Darn near 20 years, 15 years, okay? So you need that guy. You need somebody to protect Trout because Trout's been sitting there. His batting average is 299 last year. He's below 300 because he had to make himself into a power hitter. He couldn't. He was not able to just rely on someone behind him to drive runs in. So he pushed and pressed more in there. He hit below 300. Pujols, reports.com, Pujols is actually looking... I know it's hard to believe. A little fleeter footed, not as flat footed. You make a little more out of him, uh, but I'm not counting on it. Video. I watched a YouTube video yesterday. It was like maybe 15 minutes long about how he's the slowest person in baseball. Yeah, he. Well, my gosh, he is. But he looks a little bit better. I think may, maybe, maybe because I know word is rumors on our end is that he had some uh, let's say some not so friendly conversations um, at some point with the club. That's rumor, not. About sure possibly them giving him the A-Rod of just like, yeah, we'll pay you, but you're not staying. No, more along the lines of they have guys that are coming in there, man. They got guys who, who are not like the Albert Pools of 10 years ago or anything. 
things like that. But guys who can hit a little more average, who can provide more stability at first base. And, you know, you have Brandon Marsh coming up right behind Joe Adele. That's your future outfield right there. What are you going to do with Upton? Well, move Upton to first base. Okay, so yeah. those things are, are coming into play. This team is even better than people thought they were. They're going to win. They're going to have a winning season this year. They're, they're going to compete. I just don't know if they're going to be able to get the pitching come July 31st to get them in the playoffs or not. The, and the rest of the division is better, too, with the exception of the Mariners. The Mariners are – well, they're the Mariners. The Rangers are a little bit better. It depends on Kluber out there. The, the A's are – the A's have been doing a great job in the farm system out of really just developing guys. So you're right. They went to bed in the playoffs. But there was something different about them last year that I think they might be on the right path. And I do I agree with you 100% on the Astros. The Astros are – I don't know how they can go all the way through this year and be a 100-win team. Because, like you said, they're going to be getting hit more. They're going to be getting spiked on the base pass more. They're going to be the wearing out of going to every road ballpark. It's, and yeah, it's, a, people's, it's emotional, yeah. too. Because mm-hmm. like, you could see, like, spring training's already kind of getting to them. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. You've And, you know, the Twitter account's popping up about the Astros 2020. Did you see that one? Where they're basically, the guy's mocking every beaner that, that they get. I just don't see how long-term this year, the Astros can do it, and you got Zach Grinke and Verlander are over thirty-five years old. How long can their bodies hold up? Zach Grinke doesn't give a shit about baseball. Like he got, he's got his paycheck. Like he, like he went out there and shoved in Game Seven. But besides that, he's been a guy who's like, you know, I signed in Arizona. He's he's trying to have his season be done in August. Like, he doesn't care. It's um <laughs> it. It's gonna be. I, I think it's gonna be a long season for them, and I, I think it's possible for a West team to go and take that. It's just a matter of like who's gonna step up and do it. You guys just fired your visiting clubhouse attendant for putting illegal substances on baseballs, for furnishing it. Uh oh, you guys might have another chaos. Yeah, I mean, that, that's news to me. That just come out hour ago. Yeah. Oh crap! I gotta go check on that. Wouldn't surprise me because um, people do dumb things. Are you excited about Joe Madden? I am. I am. He's a longtime angel, though. 31 years in, in the system. Yeah. So we're set by like, him. He wasn't, like, the first, the other times around, like, he wasn't the, like, silly goose guy that he is now, where it's like, ah, oh, today's parrot day. Jimmy but, Buffett's here. Yeah, yeah. but if you go into, like, you go back and, like, read Tim Salmon's autobiography, and he goes way back to become part of his career. It was Joe Madden that saw him and, and saw the talent that he had. And Joe Madden's always been the guy who... Somehow the Angels organization had that eye. So when they got him back, that actually kind of helped many fans deal with the the Skag situation. And I think I don't think they get Rendon if Brad Ausmus is still their management team. Quite frankly, I mean, oh they yeah, no, some. definitely not. No, he so. had to go. I think it was. I think everyone saw the path for Madden to come back. And then the last question that I have is when like. The Tyler Skagg stuff happened. Because um, there's been, like, really for the Yankees, all the big news is, like, it's always been, like, the steroid stuff or a big signing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had, we did have, we had Corey Lytle fly a plane into the side of a building. Um, and that would be, and, that and would be fascinating. And, yeah, I mean, uh, and then, you know, forever ago, way before me, there was Thurman Munson. But, like, mm-hmm. when that 
comes out like Tyler Skaggs. Like, what is that like for your fan base? Like, how, how do you guys feel? I remember I was in Italy at the time and was just like, holy shit. Like, trying to, like, gather information and be like, wait, what time is it where this even happened? Well, I'll tell you. When I got the news, actually, believe it, two things, two things. One, when I got the news, I was, I had just gotten home. And my first thought was, I need to read up on this real quick. I got to get on the air. I mean, and I don't want to. I mean, know who wants to, but. The Angels aren't like the Yankees. The Yankees, you guys have high-profile podcasts. You guys have, I mean, you're the freaking Yankees, man. The, the, this fan base is is all locked in on everything. The Angels are the, for, in many ways, kind of the, the second thought, the Dodgers. And so when I started this Angels podcast last year, there were only a couple that were operating, and we had built a pretty loyal fan base right away. So I knew... That I, I needed to get a podcast out, and I can tell you it was emotional, man. It was emo- we didn't know that it was I. And in your gut, you knew. In your gut, you knew that it's either your heart, someone's heart, or is drug related. And so, yeah, I, with that podcast, I man, thought, it was emotional. I thought when there were no drugs, like in the room, like I thought if it was drugs, it would have been right away. Like, when it wasn't, when right away they weren't like, it's drugs, like, we're going to do it. I was like, ah, oh, shit, like, maybe he had a heart attack. Like, I have a friend mm-hmm. who died like that, who just, like, had, like, a heart disease that, like, no one knew, un, you know, undetectable, and then was gone. So I was like, oh, like, it was weird. I remember saying on my show, uh, like, yeah, you kind of, like, hope it's that. Um, but, yeah, it ended up being that, you know, it could be, could be something worse. It's tough when Matt Harvey comes to town. Oh boy, there you go. Yeah, uh, <laughs> again. Well, the second part too was I was interviewing C.J. Wilson for our show when the news came out that it was it was opioids, and I, I knew he, he you know he still felt that that bond there, and I um, I told him I didn't want him getting off the interview with me and getting the news, so I actually had to tell him, hey. Um, that's what I want oh, you to so know. You were, you were recording it. I was recording wow. the interview at that time. I wasn't live, thank goodness. And then I, I passed it along because I, didn't, I, I thought it would be horrible for him to get off the interview with me and then go turn on his TV and get the news. I'm like, dude, just so yeah. you know, this came through. And email him later on just to you know, pass condolences. But that was heartbreaking on its own because I'm actually talking to somebody who was his teammate at one point. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, on our side, it was it was devastating. It was emotional. The worst part about with, with Skaggs was he really was on the mound, finally figuring it out. Like he had been a person with that curveball of his, who we believed for years could develop into an ace. And over the last two or three starts of his career, we started seeing that in him. And then he was gone. Yeah. And with the Angels, amazing to in my point of view, and Brad Ausmus doesn't get credit enough. Brad Ausmus and Mike Trout kept that team together for a while. They had a nice July, and then they fell apart. They just couldn't do it anymore. And so that was the heartbreaking part of all of it. Just him losing him, and then everything else falls apart afterwards. We knew it would, by the way. We knew even before he passed away, August is going to be tough. But then it just became a question of when it happened, how long can emotion carry them? And we found yeah. out it was the Orioles series after the Dodgers series. And that was it. Yeah. No, yeah, at a certain point, uh, you know, water finds its level. 
and it, that's what happened. So, yeah. Well, can we let folks let folks know where they can find you on social media? Get get some of your uh, <laughs> your attitude, yeah. <laughs> your takes. Get some good stuff for us here. Where can people find you? Uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at JJ from the Bronx for uh, Yankees, mostly Yankee stuff and jokes and making fun of how bad my neighbors are at parking. That's been today's thing. Uh, you could follow me on Instagram at JJ from the Bronx. Also, that's more pictures of my uh, four month old or the my rescue dogs and and stuff that I do with them. Well, hey, congratulations uh, on the little one, by the way. Thank you, thank you. Yep, and uh, you can find my podcast at George's Box Pod. It is, uh, I mean, it's mostly Yankees. We talk like other, you know, just big league stories uh, and just like tell stories and tell jokes. It's uh, very much uh, not tied to like analytics. It's more just a conversation, trying to find the lighter side and all this. There's a lot of people out there trying to talk war and, you know, FIP or, you know, not even like whatever, like stats I don't even know and I don't care about. Um, We're just trying to have a silly goose time. And uh, talk a little baseball, have some laughs, take people's minds off the grind of their work. All right. Well, hey, one, I'm hoping we can connect again for Angels-Yankees series you know, just to get an update on how the Yankees are doing. And, uh, yeah. Appreciate that matchup. We'd love to have it this year. And thanks so much for taking the time. It was supposed to be 20 minutes, and here we are much longer than 20 minutes later. Thanks so much for your time. I really appreciate it. No, no, man, it's no problem. Uh, yeah, keep grinding. And, yeah, hopefully just, like, try to not – ruin all of Mike Trout's career. I thought he was going to the Phillies. I was so shocked when he signed that. I just was like, oh, he'll come to the Phillies. The Like, in Philly, everyone, he's not even from Philly. He's from near Philly, and it's just like, he's the most famous person here. You know, what's weird about that is I actually wrote an article about two weeks before the extension, and in the article, I actually made the case to trade him. So I thought there was no way he was resigning, and yeah. I... Make trade him now because now is the time to get max for him, and you never know. Maybe there's a shot. You once you convince him a year or so from now that hey, look, look what we've done. He'll come back. Maybe you never know if he liked it here. But I thought for sure just you need to trade him, and and then like ten days later, ten days later or so, goes across my screen. Mike Trout signs record extension. I'm like well, holy crap! How'd they convince him to do that? Because last year, I can tell you, I didn't see. I see light at the end of the now, man. I think they'll compete this year. I think they'll put the tops on and they'll make the playoffs next year. I think they'll compete this year. But last year this time, I didn't see a light at the end of the tunnel. Not quite yet. It took me a couple months before I did. Probably about May, June before I started seeing, okay, I get what they're doing now. But when I wrote the article, man, I didn't see a light at the end of the I saw a farm system that was garbage. I saw a franchise that had, you know, that had not produced since 2015, 2014, and um, I thought it was over. Now I'm glad they kept him. Yeah. No, I mean, it'll be interesting. I think getting out of the pool holes contract will be uh, will be good for you guys. That'll be big. And just piecing together the pitching. It all comes around. Everyone gets a chance to be good uh, every once in a while. I mean, you've got a World Series. You've won one. I don't feel that one. bad for you. And you know yeah. what? And, and our fans love hanging over Dodgers' heads because we're the last, most recent Angels, most recent LA team to win a World Series. So yeah, we'll take it. All right, man. Thanks so much, and we'll and we'll, we'll connect again. Thank you so much. No problem. Have a good one. You take it easy. Well, I don't have to say all that, but 
I want your thoughts, sir. What do you think about good old Jack and the Yankees and where they're going this year? I mean, it wouldn't surprise me at all if the Yankees took it all this year. I think that a lot of people kind of have that on their mind right now. I I wouldn't be super upset about it. I think that everybody's kind of shifted to have the Astros be the most hated team in baseball. Never been a big Yankees fan, mainly just because of the fan base. Um, it seems like they, you know sometimes they could be a little a little angry and and belligerent towards other teams' fan bases. That's just my experience with some Yankees fans. But uh, for the most part, as far as the team goes, I, I like Aaron Judge. I I'm, obviously I like Garrett Cole, and you know the Severino thing is too bad. But for the most part, they got a they got a super super solid team over there, and and I think that the Astros are going to take a, a fair step back this year. And that's, you know, some people might not agree with that, but I think with all they have going on and the potentiality of them not being able to hit as well without cheating, I think they're going to take a a step back. How big of a step? I don't know. But enough of a step to have the Yankees wipe them off the table. I think the Yankees are going to, are going to wipe the uh, Astros off the table for sure. So yeah, I would definitely agree that the Yankees are favorites to get to the world series. However, in my opinion, I, I would take the Dodgers in a World Series over the Yankees this year. And, and that's just that's just my opinion. So I, I would be totally comfortable saying Dodgers-Yankees World Series, but Dodgers are taking it. So, sorry, Yankees fans, but... Well, all right. <laughs> I, you know what? I, I think that... You know I, know, I know that you and Jared sat down with this whole idea of the Dodgers this year. And I'm not in love with the Dodgers. And quite frankly, I'm not in love with the Yankees. There just seems to be a few warning signs for both teams. You know, they're, the Dodgers went and got bets, yeah, but their pitching isn't exactly settled yet. The Yankees lost Severino again, they, but then again, they couldn't, like like Jack said, they couldn't rely on, rely on him anyways. But there's just something about the Yankees. You know, Aaron Judge coming the year hurt. There's still uncertainty around their pitching, even with Garrett Cole there. Garrett Cole makes a huge difference, but Garrett Cole's also pitched in the last couple of off seasons as well, and you know he's pitched a lot of innings. He's due for a down year, not necessarily an end of career, stop being dominant year, but even the best pitchers have a year where they take a step back. He's due for one of those. I still wish, by the way, he was pitching for us having one of those down years, but nonetheless, <laughs> I, I just. Look at all of baseball. It really feels like it's Yankees, Dodgers, and everyone else. But even so, would it shock me if the Twins stepped up in a series and and got past the Yankees? Yes and no. Yes, because they just can't seem to beat the Yankees. But no, because we've seen weird things happen. The, the Twins have talent. Would it shock me if the Indians finally for got get up for one more year and? user pitching to get past everybody. I, no, it wouldn't shock me. Would it shock me if the Astros somehow got everything together after the offseason they had and, and made a run past the Yankees? At this point, no, it wouldn't shock me. It would, And a team that's sitting in the background that's been developing players like crazy is the A's. And Jack mentioned in his show that they always seem to wet the bed when they get to the postseason, but sooner or later, talent will win out. And the A's are due. I look at the National League and there's the Dodgers have problems with the Cardinals last year, for example, and the Dodgers have an easy division. They're not going to be tested for much of this year. It's a lot harder to stay on your top game when you're not playing the best every week. I just, 
I see problems there. I, I would not surprise me if we saw some surprises. Like last year, many of us were surprised to see the Dodgers boot out of the postseason by the Nationals. The easy money is Yankees Dodgers World Series, right? But I see red flags. Too. I would I would like a A's I would like a A's Braves. Why or A's Twins Braves? Braves. Uh, just like you said, I mean, Twins, Twins. I think if they could finally get past the stigma of the Yankees, I mean, they're a super solid team. They have crazy power. They have decent pitching. And then the A's, they have all those young guys. They have Chap. They have Olsen. They have Simeon. They have a lot of good talent on their team. I think pitching is mainly going to be the, the A's problem. But then they have Lazardo who's coming up, who's going to make a big difference. So I, I, as for those two, I mean, those are good, like those are my two dark horse candidates for the World Series for the American League is the A's and the Twins, but the the National League I like a dark horse candidate as the Braves. I think the Braves their lineup is is pretty ridiculous. Their their only problem is probably going to be pitching, but you still got um, Soroka and you know you got the younger guys over there too that are just they have they have hope. The Braves have hope. I think they're a dark horse candidate for sure. And if we're one about the Angels, I would say the Angels are in the mix for make the playoffs, but until they get a little more help in pitching, I just don't see them getting past even the first round of the playoffs. So there you go. And I hate saying that, by the way. I think they're probably a year away from being a serious contender, but there's no reason why they can't contend for the playoffs this year. That's what we're looking at. That's what we're hoping for. And with all that, that's our show, folks. A big one. One of our big mega episodes. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Getting a look at the Yankees, the White Sox, and talk a little bit about, little bit about our pitching. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Talking Halos and search for our page on Facebook as well, Talking Halos page and the group. You can find me on Twitter at DC Policy, I A P A L A. And of course, Brock is at BD Rocks 8. Don't forget, we are anywhere podcasts can be found, including Apple Music, Spotify, Spreaker. So, for Brock and the rest of the team, it's Derek C. Paul saying, take it easy. We'll see you midweek. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwanns.com backslash yum for details. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.